Greetings, friends. It's that time again. That's right. It's the Golden Steel podcast where we love to talk all things Vegas Golden Knights. As usual, I'm JP, and I'm here with my normally host, but co-host today. I'm taking the lead, uh, Ian, who is coming to us uh, from the road. So he's doing a bit of a in-transit uh, contribution to the podcast today. Something a little different. Ian, how you doing, bud? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. The joys of, of hands-free. So yeah, uh, I don't know who invented the hands-free kit, but thank you to them because it wouldn't be possible without it. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, man, it's it's different. It feels weird. It always feels weird when like when we switch it around. It shouldn't make that much difference, but for whatever reason, it yeah. always feels weird. So Yeah, well, especially something like this. You're in a moving automobile right now, so it's definitely not not our typical setup. But uh, yeah, it's fun to change it up a little bit. And, and we felt like we had to push this one out because... My goodness, uh, what a game four tonight between Vegas and Edmonton. We're going to get to that in a minute, and we're going to talk all about the Vegas-Edmonton series. We're going to review the series and particularly talk about what happened tonight. Um, before we get to that, though, a couple of bits of NHL news that I think we should probably discuss. Pretty significant, especially for you, Ian, being a Blackhawks <laughs> fan. So the the um, draft lottery happened this week. and. Yeah. Wow. I mean, the Chicago Blackhawks drew number one. So that means most certainly they're getting Connor Bedard, right? How are you feeling about that? Well, look, it's, it's amazing because I really didn't think they had a shot. I mean, it was 11% was their chance. Um, obviously, Anaheim and Columbus both had higher chances or percentage chances of getting it. It is a lottery, though. I love the fact that the conspiracy theorists are straight on the you know, it's a fix, and you're like, yeah. oh my god! So, it's always uh, rigged, yeah. yeah. Exactly, and it was you know it was clearly rigged when it happened to to the Rangers as well. And I love it. It's it's one of those. It was always going to happen. The, the Blackhawks are one of those organizations that tend. I mean, look, Vegas fans, this is a podcast. You know better than most, like what it's like to to have a franchise that is. I, I'll say, use the word hated, but it's predominantly down to jealousy. Um, mm -hmm. the only ones that can know how you guys feel is really the Chicago Blackhawks and the Pittsburgh Penguins because they both have the same same kind of uh, factors. But it's a great great result for the for the franchise and <laughs> Kyle Davidson, the GM. Like the smile on his face when that card was turned, he must have looked yeah. like the Grinch <laughs> because right? it's just like their whole plan has been to, to tank. Like, regardless to what our, our, our best friend Gary B says, the Chicago Blackhawks tank for Bedard. And they were, unfortunately, they were actually better than they expected, which is why they mm -hmm. didn't have the highest chance. You know, right. so there was a real risk that they weren't going to get not only Bedard, but they weren't going to get the second overall pick and they were going to fall into kind of third or fourth or fifth. And, um, you know, so, so for them, they lucked out. They looked out. And I think it's, you know, I've, I've watched a lot of the videos, the kind of reaction videos. They're always awesome. And, you know, the, obviously the fans have had a tough year. Are, they're super pumped. And, and they will yeah. draft Conor Bedard, let's, let's just be clear. Like, oh, you know, yeah, of course. Who, I yeah, thought about they, buying the jersey, you know, like <laughs> I wouldn't normally do that this early, but it's, it is pretty, you know, 100%. You don't oh. get a, a draft like it. It's, it's certain they're going to they're gonna take him. So, um, yeah. bad luck obviously for Columbus and Anaheim Anaheim it's not the first time this has happened to them it has actually happened before uh, ironically that was 2005 uh, the Sydney Crosby draft where where again Anaheim had the, 
you know, the highest likelihood of getting the first overall pick and didn't. Uh, and obviously Pittsburgh Penguins uh, got that. But um, yeah, it's great. The one thing I will say, though, uh, and, and this isn't a Chicago Blackhawks podcast, so I won't spend all day talking. I could, but I won't spend all day talking about it. But <laughs> thinking of Vegas right now and who they're playing, I think a lot of the Black Sox fans, and it's very easy to kind of get swept away with Connor Bedard and being a generational talent. And this, and this kid is, it's like there's no, will he make it in the NHL? He will make it in the NHL. Okay, he is a, a McDavid-style player. Austin Matthews, whatever you want to use. Um, but as proven by the Edmonton Oilers, if we ignore tonight maybe, um, like Connor McDavid is a game-changer. He wins games for Edmonton Oilers on his own. Um, but they, he has not won a Stanley Cup. And he's only been to one conference final. So my kind of word of warning to the Chicago Blackhawks kind of fan base is this is a significant piece in your armory. This is, this is, this is game-changing getting a, a generational talent like that. But there's a lot more pieces to that Stanley Cup puzzle. You know, you need depth. You need third liners. You need the you need a goalie. You need a strong defense. Like, it's not Connor Bedard doesn't just slotting him into the current Blackhawks lineup does not make us a contender in any way, shape, or form. So it's a fantastic thing, and, and it's gonna, the draft is going to be really exciting, even though you know who's gonna, who they're going to pick. <laughs> right. But, like, it's no still exciting. There. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But well, it's not like there's a long way to go. But what a start, man. What a start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, and like you said, you, you still have to build a team around this guy. But like you said, it's a, he's a generational talent. This is not the same as drawing number one on many other draft years. This is a very special year. And so they really did hit, did hit the jackpot there. But yeah, like you said, it's, it you still have to build a team around the guy. And even when you build a team that brings us to our next news point before we move on to the Vegas Edmonton series even when you build a team sometimes it still doesn't work out and Toronto is holding on for dear life uh, almost got swept by the Panthers managed to stave off elimination barely just barely they were leading in the game today 2-0 1-0 and then 2-0 Panthers scored one and the final score was 2-1 so <laughs> the Leafs live to fight another day but they still are going to have to make history to to keep from being eliminated right how many times has a team come back from 3-0 i think it's happened what three or four times yeah, in a century times. Yeah. yeah so i mean hey it'd be very exciting if they did it but i think very likely the Leafs are probably going home anyway kudos to them but uh, uh what were you saying right before we rolled you said something about be careful what you wish for when we were talking <laughs> about did. this yeah and, <laughs> and you know, I've got a couple of friends that are Toronto fans um and and I you know like I said on the podcast before if they didn't fluke that series against Tampa Bay like they they beat Tampa Bay so they got that kind of monkey off their back they got rid of mm. the curse as it was called um, but you know, this is the problem with the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's the hardest trophy to win in all sports for a reason, and 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 the Leafs are finding that out. Ironically, and this is where sometimes fan bases don't do themselves justice. You know, to be chanting "We want Florida" 
those chants now look pretty stupid, you know. So, and that's that's just the way it is. It's you know, um, it's when you hear fans sing the kind of Championers song and then they don't win the league or whatever. It's unfortunately yeah. uh, people remember that sort of stuff. So right, I, I right. Don't, they're not going to do it. I mean, I, I, people can use this clip if they want later. But like you said, it's happened four times in a hundred years. Okay, yes, one of them was the Toronto Maple Leafs, but that was a pre-draft lottery era. And one of the things that the draft lottery does, other than you know create some good reaction videos on Twitter and on, and on Instagram, is that it it gives parity in the league. And I just think because of that, I don't see the Florida Panthers blowing three. Getting now, someone would say, "Well, Boston did it." Well, it's true they did, um, but. I just don't. I don't see it. I, I think the Panthers would do it. I mean, if the Leafs go on and win this series, you know, I really would change my opinion on whether or not they can win the cup because mm-hmm. to come back from three-one and to have got that monkey off their back, that that would be some serious mojo in terms of motivation. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I never know. But I, yeah, I, I would imagine DraftKings have the odds pretty pretty stacked in uh, in Florida's favor right now. Yeah, and Florida's been playing so well. And honestly, I watched the game tonight. Kudos to Toronto, but it, they didn't win by a... It wasn't... They certainly didn't stomp the Panthers. It was one of those things where they they the, you know they got a little bit of the puck luck. They maybe played a slightly mm-hmm. better game, but the Panthers were, were not a weak opponent by any means. And to think that Toronto's going to do that three more times, like you said, hi, hi, highly unlikely. Um, the one thing I will add, JP, you know, it kind of goes back to our, our first news item is, is I still feel like the Leafs miss that they're, they're too heavily weight, like weighted into skill and they mm-hmm. just don't have all of the pieces, you know, yeah. like the, the Samsonov has not been great. He might have been great tonight. I don't know, but he's not been great in terms of the series as a whole. He's, he's been leaky as a goalie and if for all the first round picks that Toronto have got potentially, you know, over the span of Dubas's contract, we're going to be looking at a team that the best thing that they achieved was to win a first round. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that's enough, you know, I, and that's where building a squad of players, you know, that is built for the playoffs is, is really hard to do, but it, it, you have mm-hmm. to, like, you need all things. That's why I think right. Vegas have an advantage, man. I, th- I think they have, players like Colasar and stuff that are just there to do the dirty bits and you, you've got to have that right right and it and it's a team game right it, we can say that about all team sports but there are some sports where a couple of stars can carry it a lot more like basketball is kind of like that i feel yeah. like basketball you know with a couple of players and i think you've maybe have mentioned this in the past as well with a couple star players you can win a championship in basketball but hockey's not like that hockey is a team sport and those stars and that skill matters but they have to be plugged into a system that's clicking really well as a team. And pretty much every team that wins the cup in the modern era uh, has uh, has both, right? They have some of that star power and they also have that ability to click well as a, as a team. They roll four lines. Um, and that takes us to the juicy stuff, the stuff we all want to talk about, which is the Vegas Edmonton series. Now, uh, we'll do just a brief, just a quick review of how we got to where we are and then we'll talk about tonight's game because tonight's game was 
absolute insanity for a lot of different reasons. But briefly, let's just go over how we got to where we are now, which is coming back to Vegas for game five. So game one, Vegas wins six to four. That was a wacky game for me. That was kind of typical of a lot of first uh, game matchups in the playoffs, especially between two um, very skilled kind of juggernaut teams. It's a lot of feeling the teams are feeling each other out. There tend to be momentum swings. I remember game one of the Stanley cup final the year the Knights went there against the caps was like that. It was a wacky back and forth game. Um, I think Vegas probably played better than Edmonton in game one, but, uh, but it was, it was still score wise. Dry had a huge night. It was obviously, um, uh, somewhat close game. If you look at the score. Um, so then that takes us to game two. Vegas plays a stinker. Edmonton wins five, one. Then we go to game three and we swap that Edmonton plays a stinker. Vegas wins five, one, uh, and Brassois injured in that game in the first period, as everyone knows, mm-hmm. and Hill comes in for relief. Hill does well, but I do think that played a, a small factor. That was a small factor in tonight's game. Hill was pretty good, but I think he was a little shaky. He's his first playoff start. You know, he had 48 hours to be nervous about it. And, um, you know, I, th- I think he finally settled in tonight. So anyway, let's talk about game four. You, you and I were watching it. This thing. You caught most of the game, right, Ian? <laughs> yeah, so I, um, I know for those of you that can't tell by the accent, maybe your, your new listeners, but... Other than being on the on the motorway right now or the, the highway as you guys would call it, um, we're uh, I'm obviously based in the UK, so watching the first period I knew wasn't going to be doable. So I I cut in at the second period. That's right. Yeah. She saw my first message to you. I was like, boy, like what happened? Um, yeah, I'm yeah. Just, it's been a golf fest. I mean, that, to be fair, that hasn't, that's not much like a big change from the other the other you know the other, the other games in the series. I mean, they've all been. Admittedly, lopsided the last couple, one way or the other, but they've all been yeah. really, really like goal heavy. So, yeah, know. yeah, it's it's weird, and I, I want to dig into this game a little bit because there was a lot of drama in tonight's game. But um, yeah. for, for anybody who didn't watch, you probably know the score. But Edmonton wins four to one tonight, so the series is tied. Coming back to Vegas, and. You know, it's there's something about this series. Everybody keeps saying, why does one team suck every night? You still haven't <laughs> had that game where both teams are going at it. They're both playing great. It's tied. It goes into OT. I keep waiting for that kind of game, and we haven't gotten it yet. And the only thing that I can liken this series to, if I were going to draw some sort of analogy, is imagine two heavyweights going at it in the ring, and they're both so good and so powerful that the first one to land a solid punch likely is going to win that round because when he, when he lands a punch, it's so powerful and he hits so hard that the opponent has a hard time recovering. That's the only thing that I can liken this series to. It's like whoever strikes first, and I, I shouldn't say whoever strikes first because Edmonton has scored first in every game, but whoever sort of is able to get that momentum and take a two-goal lead or a three-goal lead, whoever gets there first um usually is able to take the game i mean that it's it's weird right this series is yeah one team sucks in every game so far through all four games oh i mean like if i if i base it on what i saw tonight or this morning for me but tonight for you guys um 
like if that was the first game in the series that I watched, I would look at the, the series score and think, how on earth is the, uh, a Vegas winning this series? Because they literally right. looked like they were being, I mean, the, the UK term would be battered. I mean, they were, they, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, one of the first things I said to you when we were watching the second period was like, Vegas just can't get a shot away. Like they can't, they just can't get into the game. You know, they had yeah. possession, but they just, they just couldn't really break Edmondson down defensively. And Edmondson really looked mm-hmm like they were in the ascendancy and that they were pretty much owning the Golden Knights. But then we've seen right. in other games, like, the, like you said, a complete swing where yeah. Vegas have looked like they're just completely dominant, obviously the 5-1 being the obvious example. But even in the first game, really dominant against against Edmonton. With Edmonton looking like they didn't really have a response. So yeah. it's strange, man. It's strange. Like you said, maybe it yeah. is both teams because of the superstars that each of them have got and the the offensive kind of nature. I know that Vegas has got a very good D, but you know the kind of offensive nature of this series means that when that momentum shifts, as you rightly said, it just swings all, all the way. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy. And look, no matter how this series turns out, we clearly have a major rivalry now between these two teams. I mean, the teams hate each other. They absolutely hate each other. The fan bases absolutely hate each other. And this is part of what makes the playoffs so fun, right? Is new rivalries are born. And, and if Edmonton stays good after this, which I'm sure they will, this will be a heated divisional rivalry uh, for the, for the near future, at least as long as both teams are still in the playoff mix. Uh, Cause wow, there was some, some serious drama on the ice tonight, you know, and, and we got to talk about that because there's a lot of yep. interesting things that happened in tonight's game, but um, you know, it's, uh, this is another way to look at it just, just real quickly before we get into that, into the nitty gritty and the nuts and bolts. Um, it's almost like both each team has their very specific ways of winning. And it's like watching two kind of different hockey systems battle each other, mm. right? It's like the Knights win through um, solid defense and depth, like just coming at you line after line after line, right? And uh, and I don't care what anybody says about Edmonton. They win with Dreisaitl, McDavid, and the power play. They do. People can talk about depth all they want. And a lot of Edmonton fans are arguing, oh, we're deep too. We're deep too. Great, great. You're deep. That's not how you win games. <laughs> No. I have not seen Edmonton win a game from depth in this series. They win their games with Dreisaitl, McDavid, and the power play. And kudos to you. The team is fantastic. And, and those are really scary, dangerous assets to have. And if you win hockey games that way, great. But but the point is, each night when when each team's respective system manages to grab hold of the game, it's like you can't catch up with it. So, um, yeah. But anyway, speaking of tonight's game, let, let's dig into this. Um, for anybody who watched it, um, the, <clears throat> the game got really nasty by the end, which touches on the rivalry stuff that I was talking about a second ago. Um, Vegas is racking up the penalty minutes. In fact, mm-hmm. here's an interesting little tidbit. I'll throw a stat at you, uh, Ian <laughs> shocker. <laughs> you're always that. the stat guy. Know, that, so it threw me off my driving there, mate. That's how, that's how shocking that was. I know, right? I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to make you have a wreck. Try to concentrate on the road. Keep it between the ditches, brother. Um, so, uh, old friend of mine used to say that to me, but, um, so the, these two losses, Vegas's two losses in this series, have the most penalty minutes the first the most penalty minutes and the second most penalty minutes vegas has ever had in any playoff game in their history wow they're two losses now that's interesting and that speaks also to what i was saying earlier part of what 
Edmonton is doing in this series is they are trying to get Vegas to play that kind of game. Mm-hmm. They're trying to rattle them. They're playing really physical. They're trying to piss them off. They're trying to get them to take penalties because that plays to their strengths. And in the two games that Vegas lost, that's exactly what happened. Edmonton won the we're going to make you take penalties game. And that's part of why this game spiraled out of control tonight. I got to say for me personally, I think the referees probably should have, the officials should have reeled this game in and done a better job of controlling it because a number of things happened uh, in the third period of this game that shouldn't, probably shouldn't have happened. So just a quick review, you know, as the game goes on, there's more and more frustration. Evander Kane has been doing what his job is to do. Uh, Look, I know everybody hates Evander Kane, and when he's not on your team, I hate him too. But part of what he gets paid to do is to be a pest. He is a major league pest. And he's physical, and his job is to get under people's skin. That's part of what he brings to a team. And he's been doing that um, to the point that he's taken a few cheap shots. And that's also part of his job. His job is to take those cheap shots and push it as far as he can push it without putting his team in danger. And frankly, Edmonton knows, hey, if we take a few penalties, we're fine. We just want to go on the power play. So they're they're content to take that. They're, they're content for Kane to get a, a game misconduct, which is what happened to him tonight. Um, but speaking of Kane, um, mm-hmm. you know, there was a shot he took on Eichel, which a lot of people said was pretty nasty boarding, pretty cheap shot. I've watched the replay a few times. It's hard for me to call. Some people say that Eichel turned around at the last minute. But anyway, it was typical stick to the numbers. Eichel took a nasty fall into the boards. And that's when things really kind of started to spiral out of control. Because Stone had taken a couple nasty shots early in the game that didn't get called. So both sides were already pretty pissed off, right? Um, Then towards the end of the game, Petrangelo takes a run on Dreisaitl. And takes a massive overhead swing right onto Dreisaitl's hands. Dreisaitl didn't have the puck anymore. He had just passed it, or I think he had attempted a shot, actually. I think he had attempted an empty netter. And uh, Petrangelo takes a huge whack onto Dreisaitl's hands. Now, listen, I'm a Knights fan. I'm biased, but I can say he was out of line. It was too much. He could have broken the guy's hands, broken the guy's wrists. So I don't condone it, but I do understand it. Petrangelo has taken a bunch of abuse this series, especially tonight. And uh, I think the officials needed to take control of this game earlier than they did. Then, of course, after that, Edmonton feels like they need to respond. Then there's a big scrum in front of the net, and that's when Kane gets his misconduct. And then Darnell Nurse uh, wants to throw down with Haig, and so they drop the gloves, and they both get kicked out of the game. I mean, it's one of those games, right? It just... By the end, you're like, oh, gosh, just send everybody off and call the game already. <laughs> like it's just it's just getting worse and worse. And, you know, very likely, I would not be shocked, Ian, if we have a couple of suspensions dealt out tomorrow by the Department of Player Safety. I certainly think they're going to look at the Petrangelo slash. And according to Elliot Friedman, I didn't know this rule, but according to Elliot Friedman, if you uh, get an instigating penalty in the last five minutes of a, of a game or of a playoff game, I guess, that's a one-game suspension. And Darnell wow. Nurse did get an instigating penalty for dropping the gloves with um, Haig because he invited Haig to fight. Haig refused. And then Darnell Nurse basically just pinned him up against the boards 
dropped the gloves and started wailing on him. So it was definitely instigating. Yeah, yeah. So we could have a couple suspensions that come out of this thing. I mean, what do you think, Ian? It's the official's responsibility to sort of take control of the game at some point, right? Yeah. And the, and the thing is, that, you know, there's, there's probably two points here, but the, the first one is definitely around the officials because this is where if you don't take control of the game early, it just it just gets out of hand. And we see this in all sports. You know, it's the same you know, in, in soccer as well, where if you let, you know, like a derby match, which is essentially what these things are now in the, in the, in the playoffs, where you've got, you've got, Prior issues, prior, prior aggro, some players. So they're already going to start dialed up to 11 before the first puck drop's even done. So it's not going to take much for this powder keg to be lit. So, you, you know, you really need to make sure as an official that you're clamping down on that. And it probably means you need to be a bit penalty heavy because um, if you're not, well, what happens is what happened in this game, which is where it just gets sillier and sillier and, you know, and more aggressive. Mm-hmm. And then it just all explodes. You know, I mean, right. We can we can laugh about it a bit, but seeing like three or four players get ejected from the game is is just it's just stupid. So, and yeah, yeah, okay, it was four ones. The, the game was done anyway. You could argue, but it's not the point. You know, like you said, with a Petrangelo does have a bit of a temper. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've seen him take penalties before, which I've, I thought, mm, you know, right. kind of in your position as a leader, you should probably. Not the way to run, but you know, I, they said it was retaliation for the eye hit, which was which was not great. So, and there may well be repercussions for that. I know it wasn't mm-hmm. given as a penalty at the time, but they, you know, our good old friends, the Dopes, the Department of right. Player Safety, like they they may well look at all those things. So, it's yeah. not going to get yeah. any better. Like the players aren't going to turn around for game uh, five and be like, "Yep, yeah, well, we're friends now." Like this hatred is just going to grow and grow. And grow, and if there's a game seven, oh, yeah. which obviously we hope there isn't, but um, because Vegas winning beforehand, of course, uh, but then you know it could be it could be really feisty. You know, and then the yeah. other point it, in terms of uh, what you said around Edmonton's game plan, like, yeah, I I know that Edmonton fans are going to want to say that they love every player on their team and that they've got loads of depth and blah blah blah, but you know that, that their team is built around two players. Like, let's not get ourselves. It's built around two players. One is McNuggets, and the other one is Drysdale. Like those are the two; those are their superstars, you know. And mm-hmm. and the fact that Nugent Hopkins, who is also a, a fantastic hockey player, got his first goal in the series. It may even be his first goal in the playoffs, that to be this year. But he's only his first goal in the series tonight. Proves mm-hmm. that point of where they get their goals from, and they know that, and that's why they're luring Vegas in to penalties so that they can get that nuclear line out with space, with time, because they know that's how they're and it is it's how they're winning games. It's how they it's how they're gonna win this series is by doing that. And McDavid, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just a quick side point on him, he looks really fired up. Like I was really I mean uh, he's an impressive player obviously anyway, but he was really impressive tonight. Like he looked on it. He, he he was just yeah. he was battling, you know. He was he, so he is super pumped, um, you know. And and that's why Vegas have got to be really smart and not let the heat of it being a, you know a really important game, uh, the next game, they've got to not let it get to them because if they stay yeah. out of the box, they'll beat Edmonton. If they go in the box yeah. all the time, 
well, they're making it very, they're putting put a lot of pressure on Aiden Hill, put it that way. Absolutely. And, you know, like you, you talk about McDavid, he even, when, when Petrangelo, I think when Petrangelo whacked Dreisaitl, he then skated around behind the net and, I could be mixing it up with another play, but McDavid, I think McDavid challenged him, actually. I think McDavid got, was the first one to to go after him. So you talk about him being charged up. That's not usually McDavid's job. In fact, the coach and the team would probably prefer him not to get involved in that stuff. But yeah, no doubt that he's fired up. And, and you know, this game got out of control pretty quickly just off of one or two penalties in the in the first period. Theo took a went to the box twice, and that was enough. Right, like you, you, you let the Oilers go to the power play, and even though the, all of their goals weren't power play goals tonight, it still shifted the momentum of the game, right? And it, and then the Knights are playing from behind, and that's all it took, right? Is mm-hmm. is that momentum shift? And then we came out of the first, and they were three goals down, and by then the damage is already done. But um, yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, it, it's a very, like you said, very heated series. And now listen, I, it's, it's, I'm obviously biased, and. You know, you can hear some of the tension in my voice <laughs> toward the Oilers as a team, but I have to pay a little bit of respect and credit to Dreisaitl. After he took that whack on the hands, he skated to the bench, and on the broadcast, they showed a close-up of him sitting on the bench, and I could read his lips. I'm not usually good at reading lips, but it was clear <laughs> to me what he was. It was clear to me what he was saying in this case. He had more than one teammate speaking to him, and I saw him say twice to two different teammates, no, I'm okay, I'm fine, don't do anything. And he said the same thing to another teammate, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm okay, don't do anything. Now, obviously, Nurse felt like he needed to to go challenge, and fair enough, stand up for your teammate. But I thought that was um, very big of Dreisaitl, right? He's like, my hands are all right, he didn't break my wrists, and he was thinking about his team, right? He rather than letting his anger get the best of him, he's like, "We've got the game won. No need for us to tangle." So, sure. uh, in that moment, even though I was frustrated watching the Knights lose, it made me have a little bit of respect for him as a player. And um, and Petrangelo definitely, once again, I'll say, out of line. I understand it's been a heated series, and Petrangelo's frustrated. You know, Kane did that cross check to his neck in game. <laughs> three or game two. I can't remember which game it was, but it was totally blatant and egregious and, and he did get penalized for it, but it's that kind of stuff uh, that, you know, I'm sure Petrangelo, like you said, he's got a temper. He just boiled over a little bit, but um, wow. Maybe good to get him off the ice for a game. <laughs> I don't want him off the ice for a game, but I'm worried about what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. If, if they do roll him out there for uh for game five. But um, anyway, what a series it's tied. And, and look, this is going to go at least six games now, right? It is maybe seven. And if the Knights keep, if they keep trading wins like this, then the Knights will win the series in seven games. Um, somebody has got to win two in a row at some point, And hopefully it's not Edmonton, right? Because if Edmonton wins two in a row, uh, the series is over. <laughs> so, uh, so what we hope is that the Knights are going to win two in a row, but man, this thing very well could go seven games, right? It, this feels like a conference final, or if they were in separate conferences, this could be a Stanley Cup final, right? Yeah, it could be. And I think if you, I mean, to be fair, obviously the, the other game, the Seattle-Dallas game is, is similar as well with like trading blows. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we haven't mentioned that, but obviously that series has been a lot more backwards and forwards than I think people were, I mean, again, 
Seattle are kind of still the underdog there. So, um, but uh, yeah, I kind of my gut feel is that we're going to see seven. And this is going to go yeah. to game seven, um, right? But they, they say that seri- the fourth game in the series is the pivotal one. That's what the the statistics would tell us: is that game four tends right. to decide a series. Um, mm-hmm. I, I guess it'll be for you guys now. It comes down to if if Edmonton win game five after winning game four. I think it really puts them in the driving seat. Now you would say, well, of course it does, Ian, because it puts the one game away from winning, but. I think that if Vegas win the next game, I don't think it puts them quite in the same ascendancy that it would put Edmonton because Edmonton have, have lost games and come back. And you can now, okay, yes, so are Vegas, but it would then be that two in a row, right? Because they win game four, they win game yeah. five. Now, okay, it doesn't win them the series, but right. it does give right. them the, that kind of move towards momentum. It puts a lot of pressure on, on Vegas. Um, right, right. You know, which they haven't yeah. had yet because... They dispatch Winnipeg pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. The, the winning winning game five for Vegas is pretty crucial. I agree with you, especially as charged up as Edmonton is uh, after this game. And yeah, I was a little discouraged by that tonight, knowing that that you've said that and we've talked about that before. That game four tends to be a bit of a swing game, and um, they really needed to win this tonight, and they could have put a stranglehold in the series. It's too bad, uh, as I recall, and I could be wrong, but I remember. I feel like the in year one, the second round series with the Sharks played out like this in terms of wins and losses. I think it went Vegas won game one, Sharks won game two, Vegas won game three, Sharks won game four, I think is how that one went. And then Vegas won that one in six. But like you said, if we're looking at statistics, losing game four tonight was definitely not a good thing, statistically speaking. So no. uh Game five is going to be really important. And um, so to kind of wrap this up, because I think we did a pretty heavy deep dive into what's going on with the series. Let's look forward now. What, first of all, what have we learned about these two teams? I think we kind of covered that, but mm-hmm. is there anything you've learned about these teams, uh, about these teams and the way they play? I mean, I mentioned it before. For me, everybody's talking about Edmonton's depth. I see exactly what I expected. A team that has a scary power play and and two big stars, and that's how they win games. I mean, I haven't learned anything new about Ed, Edmonton other than that. And maybe that Kane is doing Kane things, but I guess we <laughs> expected that too. <laughs> but <laughs> have you seen that. anything you didn't expect? Yeah, exactly. Have you, have you seen anything from Edmonton that you uh, didn't expect to see? Or has it been kind of exactly the kind of game you thought you'd see out of them? Yeah, I think for me it's been... It's been pretty much what I expected. They're probably a li- they're a little. Yeah. I don't know, when I say dirtier, I, I don't mean like breaking the rules. I mean, okay, yes, things got out of hand today, but I think they're feistier than I give I maybe would have given them credit for in terms yeah, of their, I, you know, their, 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 their hits so too. that they put on. I, I wouldn't have yeah. seen them as a particularly hitting team um, and one mm-hmm. that draws penalties, but then they've done a very very good job of that. Um, but you know, yeah. in terms of their their kind of main points it hasn't surprised me you know mcdavid and the power play you know that is and dry side obviously being a big part of that those are their their key pieces that is the team that they are and that's what they've been throughout this series and I, that's not really surprised me and i think that's the same for vegas vegas is kind of bits where they've got the upper hand on edmonton was what i expected um i just think 
Vegas, and I know we already said this, but just to kind of clarify the reason why we're making the point again is they were the least penalized team in the NHL in the regular season. And that was one of the things that we talked about in the preview where we said if they can do this, then it puts a massive disadvantage to the Oilers. And I just don't mm-hmm. think they've managed to do that yet. And that's something they really yeah. need to focus on is to make sure right. they don't give away stupid penalties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really game three is the only night where they managed to, to mm. do that with with a reasonable amount of success. I think, yeah, I think I think Edmonton only got one power play in game three, uh, two power plays, but only one full length power play. Like the the first one they got was one of those carryover, you know, situations where there was, you know, it was evenly matched and then Edmonton it wound up with 43 seconds of power play or something like that. Mm. So Edmonton, Edmonton basically got a power play and a half <laughs> in that game and it showed in the final score. I agree with you. It's, I don't think I, I knew it was crucial for them to stay out of the box, but we're seeing how crucial it is for Vegas. It really is. If they stay out of the box, they win. If they don't, they lose. It really seems to be that simple and it's pitting these two systems against each other and and which system's gonna gonna rule at the end of the day i mean certainly been an an exciting series but i keep waiting for that game for that nail biter keep thinking we're gonna have one of those and we just haven't yet so we'll see what game five uh brings um you know the other thing it seems like a lot of times the team that can strike first ends up winning even though edmonton scores first but when i say strike first I mean, grab the momentum, right? Yeah. One goal doesn't always mean that, but two goals usually does. And if you're the first to make it to three, you more often than not going to win the game. Yeah. And it always seems to happen early in the game, like in the first half of the game. So mm-hmm. um, last, anyway, I would like... One last point. Sorry to yeah. you up, JP, but one last point that I think we we should kind of talk about, which obviously was the Brossoir injury and, and, and Hill coming out. I know mm-hmm. we mentioned, obviously, Hill coming in. yeah. That's going to be a big factor in this series now. You know, Brossois' numbers, surprisingly, when I looked at his, his playoffs stats um, this morning, they're not actually as, as good as I thought they were. I expected his save percentage to be in the 900s, not the 800s, which is where, where it was. But you were yeah. winning games under him, and obviously his win-loss number is very good. Um, and it's a big ask for Hill to come in. And it may become, if Hill has a bad game, we ending up in that scenario that we were kind of dreading before the playoffs started, which is where you start looking back at your depth and going, okay, so who's stepping up? Uh, and it may be the quick yeah. steps up. He's done it before. He's well mm-hmm. experienced in playoff hockey. But I think if Hill can have a really good game five, because he had a great game three when he stepped in mm-hmm. for Brossois. Um, I think Vegas were 2-1 up at that point. Um, and, you know, he he, did, he, he he didn't let a goal. So he had a great, you know, first kind of flurry into playoffs, but mm-hmm. tonight was different. Um, I think you said, and obviously I didn't see the three goals, but you said the second goal was probably on him, the others not so much. Um, yeah. But he just needs to have a good game five, and Cassidy needs him to have a good game five. Just so that right. kind of question of who is the starter goes back to being, mm-hmm. yeah, it's Aiden Hill. Yeah, end right. of. Yeah, yeah, and I, I will say I felt like Hill settled in. I've gained, the, the first period was rough. That would be rough on any goalie. It was a shooting gallery. The Knights were under siege, and that arena was rocking. And considering that Hill had 48 hours to think about the fact that he was going to be starting as opposed to just jumping in without having some time to think about think of mm-hmm. it, you know, it's understandable that he would have been maybe slightly rattled by that. And it showed a little bit on the second goal. It was a, ra- a wraparound 
and and the Oilers player was right behind the net and Hill kind of looked over his right shoulder you know and hesitated thinking the player was maybe going to come around that side and instead he came around you know on on Hill's left shoulder and of course by then uh, Hill just couldn't get over quite fast enough to to close up the gap and um, and so that hesitation is probably what, cause if, if you'd moved slightly earlier, that's tough though. It's a tough situation. You don't have eyes in the back of your head, but I think some keepers who, or excuse me, some tenders who are really dialed in might've made that stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, yes, I think all the other goals tonight, you know, were players, uh, two or three, two of them, I think were players just wide open in the slot, you know, top shelf. Most goalies wouldn't have stopped it. Uh, and I think the first goal was, was like that too. So most of them I wouldn't put on Hill. I would put on the team. Um, so I feel like he should be able to settle in and find his game. Um, like I said, it was his first playoff start. And yeah, the Knights went to the box early. So, But I agree with you. It, that has to happen. It's really important. I mean, really, it's going to be, I think it's Hill. All the way. If they're going to go deep or win the cup, it's probably Hill from here on out. It needs to be Hill. Yep. Maybe Quick, but but Quick's numbers have, you know, I'm, I'm a little nervous about Quick. Uh, even though he's got that veteran playoff uh, experience. I'm a little nervous about Quick in terms of his percentage. I think as he's aged, he's just a little bit slower. And Once again, the the Knights system is very goalie-friendly, though. And so when the Knights play tight and and their defense is good and they're playing solid, it it doesn't matter as much. The goalie doesn't have to be stellar. He just has to be good. Mm -hmm. So there's that, too. But like you said, to go all the way, you got to get good goaltending. So... I completely exactly. agree with you there, but um, but wow, what a what a night and what a game and uh, what a series and uh, we're in for definitely for a lot more drama before this thing is over. I'm exhausted, Ian. I got to tell you, watching tonight's game, even though the Knights were out of it uh, from the first period, I was so tired when it was over. <laughs> just <laughs> just play playoff hockey just wipes me out, man. I know everybody can relate as fans. It's just part of the process. It sure is fun, but uh, what a roller coaster, right? And uh, and we got at least at least two more games of it. Hopefully, two more games and a couple more series. But yeah, exactly. We'll yeah. see how things go uh, for Game Five on Friday in Vegas. But uh, well, thanks again, Ian. Good luck on your drive. <laughs> and uh, this was fun doing something a little different this time around. We'll, uh, we're going to come to you again in a week, I think, assuming the Knights are still in it. Even if they're not, we'll probably come at you again in a week just with a bit of a wrap-up. Yep. But uh, thanks to all of our listeners, and uh, our numbers have been our listener numbers have been huge uh, during this playoffs, and we've seen a lot of growth and a lot of engagement from all of you guys, and we really appreciate it. And some of you have reached out to us with... Uh, with your thoughts and requests and and feedback about the show. And we really appreciate that too. So until next week, we'll see how things go until next week, guys, stay safe, stay happy, stay busy, enjoy the playoffs while they last. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.